know, we've been talking about family here the last several weeks, and I know Pastor Mark has uh, messages that he's working on about uh, parenting and about marriage, and so we're going to continue. And so as, uh, as I thought about this during the time that I was away, I thought, you know, we need to really talk about family, but why don't we talk about God's family? Because we're all part of God's family. And I know each of us have family members you know, we all got the Uncle Bob and the crazy Aunt Sue and, you know, those people in our families. And we love them. And when they, when they do something right, we praise them. And when they do something wrong, we correct them, right? No. No, we ignore them. We hope that we don't see them at Christmas time. And we just kind of stray away from a relationship with them. Even when they need correction. So... Do we do that with God's family? You know, we've fallen away from taking care of God's family. And we've fallen away from taking care of our family. We've become too self-focused. It's all about me. We're in a hurry to move to the next important thing that means something to me. Therefore, we suffer the consequences, and our families suffer the consequences, and God's family suffer the consequences of this prideful attitude. I am right. You do not matter if I feel that I am right. So many we see that are in need of help, and yet we pass right on by them. So many we see that are misinterpreting what God's word says, and we just say, that's okay. God will fix it. But you see, when you those paths cross, do you expect? think that God is saying something to you to say something to these people. You see, there's a subliminal covert war being waged against God's word and against this family of believers. This movement has been called many things. It's been called progressive. It's been called the now movement. It's shown up in seminaries. It's shown up in the pulpit. It has shown up in so many places, especially in the liberal social media and their venues. It's good to, it has the goal of bringing doubt and undermining the foundational principles of God's word. Today, many believers want things to change back toward God, but they're not ready for the pressures of persecution, and we're afraid of it. We cave to pressures and fail to stand in the gap for God. The hard truth is that God allows his children to suffer, and this can be what we expect during these times. The supremacy of Jesus means that we all need to keep him at the forefront. And remember, Jesus will not be defeated. The emergent church movement in the late 1990s and the early 2000s infiltrated the evangelical church. Get it here right. Many are willing to redefine, reexamine, and ultimately reject core of historical doctrines of Christian faith, including the universal denial of original sin, the atonement of Jesus Christ, the existence of hell, and then the then they begin to justify same-sex marriages and abortions. It pushes for the gospel that centers a universal salvation and social justice rather than personal salvation, sin, and personal redemption. 
This movement has been slow, it's been subtle, but today it's almost unchanged. True believers hear that you are old-fashioned, you are out of date. The spirit of the flesh says you're legalistic. The spirit of evil says if you want to be right on the right side of history, you need to abandon your inflexibility. Then we're left with a simple religion, one of faith, a Bible, a God that we have created in our image based on our values. This is not a battle of intellect, but one of the spirit, one that is in need of ever never-ending prayer. We must wrestle with the enemy, refusing to compromise or refusing to give up and walking in the true love of God. It becomes a holy attitude in the life and power of the Holy Spirit grounded in the word of truth. That carries Jesus to victory and delivers so many from the deception and the lies. Many of Apostle Paul's letters were written to churches that were experiencing serious doctoral, doctoral errors. One of Paul's strongest letters to the church in Galatia, he spoke against the teachings that had polluted the Galatian church. In Galatians 1.6 we read, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Paul is addressing the issue and demands to return to the law rather than continuing to live by grace, continuing to live through faith, continuing to live through the sacrifice and atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross. The belief of can't we just all get along and abandon some of the hard and fast beliefs God sets in the Bible and have a more inclusive understanding of the Bible will not work. I agree we should be loving, but we must be committed to the truth of God's word. Jesus makes it clear that loving God with your very being and loving your neighbor summarizes the law. But when we replace God's view of love with our own view of what we think love requires, it leads us to justifying, to a justifying sinful behavior. So what do we do? We must first look beyond labels and think, well, this may be some good stuff. Is it a biblical view of true love? Do we believe that it's what I feel is right, or do we believe it's biblical? The compassionate thing to do is to speak the truth. Next is the world's definition of justice and equality based on divine law, or is it based on our own personal preference? This movement looks for a different, looks for a different gospel. It has nothing to do with the gospel of the death of Jesus, his burial and resurrection. Instead, it results in spiritual confusion. It denies the divine authoritative truth of the Bible as it moves towards the importance of assorted styles of living. For example, though scripture clearly says that marriage is between a man and a woman, proponents of this progressive belief twist and distort the truth of God's word on sexuality and focuses on the trends of gender identity. They deny God's distinction between sexes instead invent their own standards rather than the word of God. 
When the topic of justice is discussed, the New Thought is primarily concerned with the issues of social and racial justice. And while these are admirable causes, it often disregards the issue of God's justice, how the holy and just God deals with sinful and wicked people. And when it comes to a personal sin, some, fall, some believers fall, fail to see that the knowledge of the deadly consequences of man's sinful state, biblical teaching should be based on the precious blood of Jesus that was a sacrificial and atoning work of his death on the cross. This fact is distorted and too often completely neglected. To reject the deity of Christ is tonight to deny Christ and doom yourself. To love darkness rather than light will leave you in eternal darkness. To hope that good works alone will earn salvation while rejecting the gift of everlasting life through faith in Jesus will leave you in the eternal abyss. To deny the fullness of the Trinity can risk the person missing the glory of God Almighty. This is why the Apostle Paul Call down a curse on those who preach different gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's how Paul defined the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 2. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I have preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I have received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. We should preach, teach, and share to trust solely on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and for that sacrifice that grants us forgiveness. There is no substitute for speaking the power of the cross and the resurrection. Speak the truth of God's word for their time may be coming where the doctrine may not endure. Instead, there will be those speaking according to their own desires and will turn away from the truth, and we must fulfill the ministry of Jesus Christ. We must guard the truth, remain true to him for what he has done for us, and stand boldly for the truth of the Bible. This is the only way to secure eternity. Crises are so often never scheduled, being prepared to face a crisis completely changes a person's outlook. But God is never surprised. He is a sovereign God. The Lord will give you the strength to do exactly what he calls you to do. You simply ask God, what is it you want me to do? And then surrender to him. Too many times we are dragging our feet to be obedient to God. We want to be like those that participate in sports. You know, if you've ever played baseball, were you the guy that when the bases were loaded and two outs, you wanted to be the one that was in the batter's box? Or when the bases were loaded and you were run, one run ahead and there were two outs, were you the guy that wanted the ball to be hit to you? Or were you the one that said, I don't want a bat. I sure hope he doesn't hit it to me. Are we willing to answer his call? What are we willing to give up for Jesus? He did not promise riches. He just asked you to follow him. So we need to step outside our comfort zone with those that are confused today and trust God. And 
Luke 5, beginning in the fourth verse, Jesus told Simon to put your nets out in the deep water, and Simon responds just as we probably all would. We've already done that, and that didn't work. And even though he said those words, what did he do? He cast his nets in those deep waters, and the catch was plentiful. We need to say to God, you know, God, I may not be your first choice, but please let me be a choice for you. So how do we stand against these false teachings? Well, let's just look real quickly at five ways. First of all, we need to uphold biblical authority. Many today do not view Scripture as divine or perfect, but as a human book that contains contradictions, errors, inconsistent theology. And what happens? Biblical authority then takes a back seat. And what steps in? One's personal conscience as the high authority and the truth. We must align with the truth of the Bible. Jesus referred to the Old Testament as God's word. He taught that scripture was inspired by God. He said that scripture cannot be broken. So let us boldly hold to the teachings of Jesus as accurate as the authority and inspired word of God. Next, let us stand for biblical sexuality and sanctity of human life. Most of these issues were birthed out of the cry for sexual freedom. But yet marriage was designed by God as far too often considered now outdated and even harmful. Advocacy for abortion rights has become normal. In Matthew 15, beginning in the 19th verse, Jesus says this, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make man unclean. Jesus categorized sexual immorality as something that defiles a person. We should boldly obey Jesus' teaching and enjoy marriage as God designed it in the Bible. Next, we need to be bold and courageous. Today, people are facing criticism for standing up for Jesus in the Bible. They are being seen as hateful, as bigots, as intolerant. Some of them are even being called harmful to society. The pressure is strong for us to just be quiet and get along. John 15, 18 says, if the world hates you, keep in mind, it hated me first. We should align our speech and actions with Jesus. Matthew 5, verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Even though it may seem countercultural, and it may bring persecution, and it may be that people don't like you, we should stand on God's truth and his promises. Next, we should live the truth. We cannot live with a statement, my feelings are my truth. This idea is thought, and thought is even denies that there's objective truth. And that it cannot really be known by people. People say, live your life and find yourself. This is strengthened by social media and all the commercials that we see. A true statement or belief is one that corresponds with reality. And the truth is true. Wherever someone, whether someone believes it or not. We must align with Jesus when he says in John, I am the truth. 
John 18, 17. In his prayer for his disciples and ultimately for us, he says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. Rather than find yourself, Jesus says you need to deny yourself. Matthew 16, 24, if anyone would, take, would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We must boldly teach the truth and that truth does exist and it can be known and it can bring sanctification. Next, we must proclaim the gospel. Today, it seems arrogant of people to say they know the truth, especially when it comes to religion and mortality. Many New Age believers pride themselves in being inclusive but reject the absolute truth of Jesus. They send a confusing message of ebb and flow with cultural norms. This means avoiding any uncomfortable parts of the gospel, like final judgment or a place of eternal punishment. Again, we must align ourselves with Jesus in the gospel. Mark 1, verse 15. Jesus says, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. This is how he began his ministry. John 13, 16, we all know, but do you know verses 17 and 18? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Jesus is worth following, and the beauty of the Holy Scripture is worth protecting. Naturalistic philosophers refer to the miracles of the Bible as miraculous magic or oppressive absurdities. They try to hammer at the very foundation of the faith of Christ as the Son of God. These philosophies are the basic cause of moral deterioration throughout the Western world. We face destruction from within, folks. We have those that hold strictly to the letter of the law, but know little of the spirit of love and grace that belongs to a spirit-filled life. There are those that are so busy attacking the biblical faith, they have little time for loving the lost. Many have humanistic philosophies that has little difference from the ethical standards that is part of Buddhism. They deny the miraculous character of the scripture and they have openly rejected the fundamental truth of Christ. The world of God predicted these times. We should not be alarmed. We should not be fearful. Instead, we should be standing up boldly and filling in the gap for God's family. Jesus, in the 24th chapter of Matthew, said, There will be wars and rumors of wars, but you should not be alarmed. Such things must happen. Nations will rise against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms. There will be famines and earthquakes. All these are the beginning of birth pains. You will be persecuted, put to death, hated by all nations because of me. We have neglected studying the Bible and we have neglected opportunities to lead, that lead to spiritual growth. We need to remember that we were not born for ourselves. 
there is one thing that is worse than evil, and that is indifference to evil, for then it flourishes. God's message is love me or hate me, but spare your indifference. Give people a hand rather than giving them your tongue of judgment. Do not be the one that says, I came, I saw, and I walked away. Believers everywhere have done an excellent job of cursing darkness. We have done a horrible job of sharing the light. Mark Twain said, kindness is the language that the deaf can hear and the blind can see. God takes special pleasure in doing miracles for people. Yet so many walk right on by those that are in need. We miss those opportunities. Thomas Edison said, opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and it looks like work. We should do things for others that nobody sees. It's amazing how much we can get done when we don't care who gets the credit. One of God's biggest problems is the absenteeism of his people. Everyone has a possibility of seeing an opportunity each and every day. And it can just be a moment of ministry of presence, just being there for that person. It's not you. It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit that works through us. He does the work. He takes the individual, those individuals that are broken and messed up, just like we were, we are, and uses them in a supernatural way. So if you want to experience God, give up the controls. Step out of your comfort zone. Serve the Lord when he calls you. Watch the real and mighty things that he does. But do it boldly. Do not worry about what other people think. Worry more about what God's word says. And he will do those wonderful things. We are all family. We are one family. We are all children of God. We should treat each other as family. We should love those that don't seem to be part of our family. That want to be part of another family. For we stand on God's truth and his promises. Don't miss an opportunity to share that. You know, God's at work in all things at all times. And sometimes we may not understand it. We may want to shy away from it. But if you truly believe that he's a sovereign God and that he is with you always, why would you fear something that he wants you to do? He has a grip on each of us. Don't try to run away from him. Be his vessel. Reminds me of a story of a little boy that was playing in his yard in Florida and an alligator came from the lake on their property. And the little boy just stood in amazement, watched this alligator as the alligator came toward him. And the mom from the, her kitchen window saw the alligator come out and she immediately ran out of the house and began to yell at her boy as the gator ran up and grabbed him by his leg and began to pull him back toward the lake as the mom grabbed his arm and hung on and screamed, and the neighbor that lived next door heard the scream, stepped out, and saw what was happening, grabbed his shotgun, came over, and killed the alligator. Some people will say, praise God. God's at work in all things. So when this little boy was in the hospital, the news people said, show us the scars 
where the alligator latched onto you. Instead, the little boy held his arm up. He says, these are my, the scars from my mom where her fingernails dug into my arm. God has grip on each of us. Take that opportunity to be his vessel. As we prepare our hearts for Holy Communion, stand on his promise. Know that Christ died for you. We are part of his family. Thank you.